Hello, everybody, and welcome to a super special, super informal episode of Retronauts Micro. I am your host, Bob Mackey, and this episode is sort of a victory lap after our 10th anniversary panel that we posted last week uh, that we did in Portland. Uh, I just kind of want to talk about podcasting in general, and we sort of had a strange content gap to fill. We usually work way ahead, but a hurricane delayed our last recording session, so I had to pull together a show at the last minute, and thankfully, some podcasting pals helped uh, are going to help out with this one, and I'd like to introduce to you uh, Gary Butterfield and Cole Ross. Say hello to the nice people. Hello. Hello. And uh, they are from the Watch Out for Fireballs podcast, but really they have an entire network, uh, the DuckFeed.tv network with lots of podcasts. They work way harder than me, and I've always been a big fan of their podcast in general. And uh, so we're going to get back to normal topics next week. We're going to continue crawling up our own asses this week, and then you can just slide out next week with a a new episode about an actual video game. Oh, God, please do not describe that profane earth. I'm I'm sorry about that metaphor. uh, (laughs) I, I didn't mean to gross anyone out, but um, yeah, so Gary and Cole, in case you don't know, they do the retro gaming podcast, Watch Out for Fireballs, and I, and I find the podcast interesting as a narcissist because it started around the same time I started podcasting, and um, I feel like I've taken a lot from their shows, not stolen, but sort of learned how to talk about games in different ways, and I, I find them like kind of an inspiration the way I cover things, even though we take very different approaches, so um uh, Gary and Cole, can you explain uh, what Watch Out for Fireballs is exactly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the way so we since we did the the convention as well, um, you know, I ended up explaining this <laughs> to a lot of people who walked up to the booth. And uh, the kind of thing that I've settled on is that it is kind of half uh, let's play, half critique. So um, we go through, you know, we pick a game like a like an old games book club. We go through that game um, usually, you know, in about anywhere between 90 minutes and two hours, kind of hitting all the beats. And uh, we talk about uh, what does and doesn't work, um, game design decisions, uh, and kind of where it left us with it. Yeah, um, and a big part of that is also kind of re-examining um, where it kind of stacks up. So often we are kind of taking a second look at a lot of these. Um, and so uh, we're kind of kicking the tires and testing each individual moment um, seeing how it fits into the hole, but kind of trying to uh, ar- arrive at some kind of conclusion about where this thing fits. So I like to ask this of everybody who podcasts because um, I started out as someone who always enjoyed podcasts from their very beginning. It was just something to stick in my brain during my most boring moments of life. And of course, I grew up, uh, yeah, I grew up throughout my mid-20s <laughs> as a fan of Retronauts. And I mean, I really just sort of fell into podcasting. Um, I did a pretty bad podcast with my friends. Uh, we did the best we could, but it's uh, it's all off the internet now. Don't look for it. I'm not even going to say its <laughs> name. But uh, I was sort of chosen. I was lucky enough to be chosen to host a um, a show that was already fairly popular. So I feel like uh, I, I feel like I'm spoiled compared to you guys who had to work from the ground up to build the <laughs> Duckfeed Empire. But I'm just curious as to, um, you know, where you started podcasting i know way 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 back in the day almost a decade ago i was on cole's like radio show his college radio show in cincinnati yeah um that was uh, talking about i think what was the name of that show cole oh my gosh at the time it would have been called uh uh, i would i was gonna say don't google this but uh it's impossible to google also it's on the website stand under the don't tree and riddle me this because that's right i was always very bad at at, uh making up names for stuff but yeah like i had you uh had you call in a couple of times actually that's right and i I think you have to own the ceo sorry not uh, not the ceo but the seo on that title uh (laughs) i don't think anything else is named that but uh yeah i mean cole you already had a start you already had like a foot in the podcasting game with the radio show but but i want to know from both of you like um 
how did you get into podcasting um and like what have your goals been with uh, shows like watch out for fireballs yeah um so i did college radio and that kind of started off as just kind of okay we're gonna play some music and then try and say something funny in between and then have music to go back to when i ultimately fail at that but that was during college and then during summer between i believe uh, like my freshman and sophomore year i started listening to one up podcasts because i was working at a very boring like order entry job at a school supply company so I was listening to like one up FM and uh, one up yours, I think is what it was called. I went through a bunch of names um, and retronauts, obviously, um, as I was entering the item codes for boxes of pencils and owl pellets. Um, and then <laughs> when I went back to school, it's like, well, OK, um, I didn't realize that this was a thing like podcasts uh, talking about video games. So I kind of reconfigured the show to be about that um, <laughs> more and more over the years. And then once I graduated, I kind of amassed a collection of friends who uh, ultimately went on to uh, co-host another show on the network called The Level with me. Um, and then uh, Gary and I, we met each other on Something Awful. And then we started working each other because we were uh, mutual fans. But yes, I came to podcasts out of boredom and then decided, hey, I would like to do that too. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's a weird connection between like one up and something awful for podcasters. I don't know, maybe just the circles <laughs> I travel in or whatever but i just noticed that we usually have all some of those things in common like we we either all are all goons or we were all <laughs> listening to one of podcasts which i think everyone was at that time because it was really just a new a new weird thing that you could tell there was some reluctance amongst people uh some of the people there like we have to do this too okay <laughs> but then it, it became um a, a mildly uh, viable uh, business uh thing to do i guess um not very profitable but it's something that really lets you talk on a personal level yeah. to people you're you're building brand um, equity yeah, I, I've always exactly. Yes, mildly that's how I think of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really want to know. I'll talk about my own reasons for this, but um, you know, just like I'm just curious as to why you're choosing retro games to look at. Maybe Gary can talk a little bit about this. Um, why that subject, and um, what what do you what are you trying to do with these old games? Like, wh why are you choosing this kind of subject matter over? any other kind of subject matter you could talk about. And you guys do talk about a lot, to be fair, like X-Men cartoons and uh, bad games and newer games. Uh, you're not limited to retro games, but I, I guess I'm just talking about Watch Out for Fireballs. Yeah, yeah. I The reason we got into it specifically, uh, into old games, was when... Because uh, at the time when Cole was doing his, his radio show and we met on Something Awful, I was doing my own uh, podcast that were less kind of focused. And uh, I overheard Cole on... Uh, don't tree talk about um i think uh, breath of fire three and yeah, yeah. uh and wanting to to play it and nobody on his show the two things that nobody else on the show really seemed to know very much about were like old games or iphone games which are both things that i was into and uh you know and that's what kind of prompted the the union um and i think the reason why uh we stuck with that even though we do you know the Defining retro is an an annoying uh, <laughs> urge that some people have. I, I don't really, you know, I don't know. It's I, I don't think it really matters that much. But I think the the big thing for us is that uh, one, it's outside of like a news review kind of hype cycle thing. So it's not something you can get everywhere. You know, if 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 you want to hear two people talk about uh, like vampire bloodlines or you know sacrifice or something like that, you're just not going to get that elsewhere. Um, and a lot of those games came out when there weren't podcasts, 
you know, there weren't these kind of audio records uh, of just kind of discussions about about these games like it didn't exist. So it's kind of neat to be able to do you perhaps not the definitive, but to kind of set something in stone that is, you know, this is I just revisited this. I did a bunch of research on it. This is my kind of complete take on this old thing. And now it exists and it's crystallized. It's outside of me. And uh, and I can kind of go from there. Um, I think I think that competing for kind of news or reviews or something like that was something that didn't interest either of us. And right. even your mm. more modern show, Cole, like you guys don't, you know, you guys will talk about new games, but it's just kind of what whatever you happen to be playing. And a lot of times, it's outside of the current game cycle as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess I really think, uh, as far as what I do, it's just that um, you never really know the true value of a game until uh, like maybe five or six years have passed, uh, possibly even fewer years. Just you can go back and look at reviews where they're dead on right about things like you guys just did a Resident Evil 4 episode. That is great, by the way. I enjoyed listening to that very much. And uh, everyone was right about that game at the time. It got really good reviews. It got really good scores. Everyone was very, uh, you know, heaping praise upon it. Uh, but then you go back to uh, reviews for games that just were too ahead of their time or maybe uh, they were they were approached from a very of that time mindset where you can appreciate them more today. I remember um, really digging Echo Night, but then going back to reviews and people were just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, I mean, and I'll get to I'll get to this next question. Um I feel like the value in talking about these things is because once they're reviewed, I feel, and once like the guides are written, that's it. There's no more discussion until the inevitable anniversary happens and you can write your pithy article about it. But <laughs> I feel like this allows us to have a second take on games that might not have uh, you know, gotten the credit they deserved. And that's why I kind of shrug off the question about what you consider retro, because um, if there's any chance to talk about a game that's more than a few years old, uh, no one else is doing it. And I I'm happy to take that chance. Um, how, how do you guys even answer that question? I'm sure, like me, you get asked that a lot. And and the re one of the reasons I enjoy your show is, unlike a lot of video game nerds, uh, you guys are not interested in gatekeeping at all. And I feel like no matter what niche you're into, there are always gatekeepers. And I feel that what, what is truly retro question is a form of gatekeeping. Like, people... Um, I'm not trying to be petty, but people get mad when I do games from maybe even like 10 years ago. But I feel like uh, you don't realize like these are old games for younger people, ultimately. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did uh, Super Mario Galaxy here recently and said like, OK, this is retro. It came out almost 10 years ago. You have to come to terms with the fact that you're old now. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a big part of it, too, because, you know, that gatekeeping is, just, oh, this isn't what, you know, I played when I was a kid. It was what I played when I was an adult. But time, you know, time moves. <laughs> it, it is not, not a static thing. Um, and, it, you know, I think that, you know, me and you, uh, Bob and, and Cole, too, like, we're of a piece in that some of the worst kind of like I, I love this hobby. I love I love video games. But one of the worst things about it are there are kind of elements that kind of seek to gerrymander things uh, to to an exclusive, you know, to exclude things. You know, the idea, uh, I, I don't have to actually consider this idea or think about it if I can change the definition. So this thing just simply doesn't count. <laughs> and uh, you run into that from kind of all angles. And the retro gaming one is one of the most arbitrary and, uh, you know, kind of silly ones, I think, yeah. because it's not uh, I don't really know what it accomplishes. Um, you know, if there if it's just shorthand for I didn't want to hear people talk about that game, you know, mm -hmm. that's what it always seems like to me, like, oh, that seems too new. But something else that maybe came out the same date would be considered retro or even a newer game that has more kind of retro stylings to it. Yeah. You know, it, it is right. I mean, I, yeah. 
I sometimes tell people 10 years just as a way of humoring them if they're upset with the idea that it's sort of nebulous, but I say any amount of time that can give you enough perspective on a game uh, is important because, again, like I've, I've said this before as someone who writes reviews and someone who gets a lot of negative comments on my reviews, um, that reviews are just really just a snapshot in time of everything informing that reviewer, of the expectations of that era and of that genre and of that game, and any number of factors that are sort of just like frozen in time. And once you can get away from that and see if that perspective is correct or maybe you can add some light to it, that's what I always like to do. But so it's not like I'm counting down like, oh, it's nine years and 345 days. I can almost talk about this game. Once it hits midnight, it's officially old. Like, I, I don't really think of things like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The thing I, I think about uh, with that is just like, we see it with modern games with these kind of backlashes. And the the backlashes are not people being kind of knee-jerk reacting, you know, to to like Bioshock Infinite or Dragon Age Inquisition or these games that like, you know, got all Dragon or GTA 4, these games that kind of got these perfect scores. It's not like people are just being uh, sourpusses. It's they're taking some time to think about the game and they're past this kind of initial shock and awe of just seeing something big and pretty, I feel like. Yeah. You know, so in in a few years, like people are going to start or in 10 years, people will start doing retro games podcasts and covering things like that and being like, yeah, this doesn't hold up. This isn't very good, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's, you know, because so, so it swings both ways. You can see it in action. Yeah, there's a there, there's probably a cynical way to to to, to say this, but like I'll just I'll, th- this raises it up for me. Um, but um, what is retro? Uh, anything I can talk about without feeling like I'm part of the sales apparatus for that thing, mm. you know, like just so for, as long as there's not a DLC still coming out for it, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, it, you know that that that's that's a really glib way to put it. But like trying to trying to narrow that down to an incredibly fine point, like that way, madness lies. Because look at hmm. the booth that we run, where you know we'll get a kid come up coming up and saying like, "Oh, in '64, that was from my childhood." And then we'll have a graybeard coming up and saying, "Oh, retro, huh? Uh, if you do anything uh, newer than Donkey Kong, I don't want to hear it." And and then it's interesting. Um, Oh, go ahead, Gary. I was just going to say, we also, um, a story that we told before is that we've had like a kid that couldn't have been over seven uh, come up and tell us what was retro. Like come up and say like, oh, you guys have done PS2 games. Like that's not retro. And it's like, man, I I am like five times older than you. (laughs) Like this is so weird for you to come up. And like, this is a bad habit. Please, you know, you're only seven. There's still time. (laughs) develop uh useful skills please well actually i was at your booth at a portland retro gaming expo and i was playing uh, pokemon yellow you guys had a little contest or like a little uh, event where you're trying to build a pokedex with the people that stopped by your booth who would uh hopefully catch a pokemon and i was working my way towards a graveler and there was like a little like eight-year-old girl who wanted to play i'm like wow like these games, regardless of how primitive they look, um, to like a, chi- a post 9-11 child's eyes, uh, they're still interesting. I mean, Pokemon is a still Pokemon, no matter you know which way you shake it. So I thought that was very touching. Just like, um, even though this is not that old to me, this is like a pre-birth game for this child, but they're still interested in playing it. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I-, I think that there is something... You know, because going back to earlier when you were talking about like kind of what draws us to this, I mean, there's an element of just aesthetics too, where it's an appealing aesthetic, and I think that's it's a more universal aesthetic than kind of this uh, this doom quest for photorealism that we're we're currently in the throes of with more modern games. Like, yeah. it's you know kind of bigger and and more basic shapes and more colorful and things like that. Like that tends to be kind of a hallmark of of older <laughs> games, and I think that does kind of transcend age limits a little bit. 
So I, w- I wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, you've been doing shows for over five years, uh, quite a number of games under your belt that you've covered and played in full, well, mostly played in full. I think there were a few that were too bad, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> sort of sort of mana, maybe. I forget that. Maybe that was like one of them Yeah, that yeah. was a little too wordy. Um, what what games have like surprised you or disappointed you? I'm, I'm curious, just in retrospect, maybe uh, Cole, you can start. I just like, uh, I, I assume you know these games pretty well or at least know their reputations or have some experience with them going in. Um, has anything like disrupted your expectations or, you know, your previous feelings? That's a, that's a tough question because surprise can go either way. Um, I, I remember uh, we occasionally do these polls with our Patreon backers, like, hey, help us pick the game we're going to cover. And so we'll load those up with, you know, games of a kind. So earlier this year, we uh, we did like a like a um, action game kind of thing where we had like God of War. We had Enslaved on there. And I was like, oh, I remember. Um, oh, gosh, Soul Reaver, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. That like I, I think I played that or played a demo of it. It was reviewed really well. Let's just let's just throw that on there thinking, okay, it's uh, usually the older ones don't do that well, but let's put it on. That was such a slog. And it's one of those things where it's like, whoa, everything I knew about this came from those reviews. And just it couldn't have been any any more different than what I expected um, in terms of just like quality, variety, um, pleasure to play, any of those things. Hmm. And, and it can work, you know, the other way too. Like I, I had that experience with Soul Reaver and it was weird because I remembered enjoying it. <laughs> and then sitting down and be like, I hate this. Uh, <laughs> but then it can also happen where, you know, the show has gotten me to play things that, you know, either didn't totally seem up my alley or I always had kind of a vague curiosity about. And then I'm just surprised by how much I love them. Like I think uh, Cole and I had both just barely played um, God Hand uh, at the time yeah. we did it for the show. And we're just kind of blown away. Like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> like, this is really good. And that's another game that got like, you know, there's a really infamous like IGN review of that. That's like a four. <laughs> or something like that you know like that, that game was kind of hated in its time uh, but we were both just like oh this this is why we we do this show this is like purely <laughs> p- pleasurable and i wouldn't have played this without the show necessarily yeah yeah your episodes have definitely uh, reassured me in some cases where it's like i always felt regretful that i never played soul reaver but then i heard that episode and i was like wow uh <laughs> i might have enjoyed that when i was 16 but i don't know i, I i'm glad i didn't actually try to revisit that because it just sounds like a horrible slog and um also your indigo prophecy episode uh we're, we're brothers in arms in terms of our feelings on david cage <laughs> and i was like i was right to be disinterested in that game after that first chapter after that really good first chapter so i i feel like uh, i can work out some of my my game anxieties through your podcast um because i think we're mostly on the same page although gary uh, does not like the uh virtues last rewards series as much as i do oh yeah 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 you you and me fist fist bump man well but so it's me and me and bob versus cole in the david cage match (laughs) rage in the cage oh right and then uh it's i forgot we're not all yeah yeah so and then um yeah yeah, I don't. I I'm don't take like that David Frenchman Cage down from off the top I ropes. Do. I tolerate him. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> so look for uh, your coverage of Detroit in ten years, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Watching the clock. Uh, the game, not the city. <laughs> so. I also want to know, uh, we get a lot of people who like the idea of podcasting listeners who want to try it for themselves. And um, again, I feel incredibly spoiled. I was lucky enough to sort of fall into a show that already had listeners, but. Um, what do you two think are the the keys to developing a good podcast? Obviously, you really should get your you know episodes out on time, have regular schedule. My thoughts are you really need there's like a bare threshold for quality that 90% of podcasts don't reach. 
And it really doesn't take a lot of work to reach that threshold. And once you're there, people will not turn off your show within five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my take. Like, what what do each of you think of what makes a good podcast? And how, how have you cultivated the DuckFeed.tv network? Um, Gary? Yeah, so um, you, you mentioned consistency, which is huge. Um, I think... Uh, Patience is a really big thing. You know, there wasn't a, a secret for us. We never had like a tipping point. Um, we just kind of were consistent uh, and, and you know, grew a little bit every month until we kind of got, you know, semi where we're at now, semi big. Um, I think a big thing too with podcasts is to have some kind of hook for it. I, I think that there are probably um, enough podcasts out there that are like, what if four guys talked about video games? Um, you know, there's a lot of those. So having some kind of, uh, approach to it that is a little bit unique is always going to be something that will attract me. Um, even if your podcast ultimately is kind of personality based and, uh, you know, it, it will live or die based on people kind of falling in love with the, you know, the host and really enjoying hearing those individuals, having some kind of hook will always get me to check something out as opposed to, Hey, there's four guys and it's their gaming opinion. And then they do, you know, <laughs> Uh, a news and, and, and et cetera, you know, um, unless I already like those people, that's a hard barrier to cross. So I, so I like a hook. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there are so many of those four guys talking about games podcasts and you know what, they're all in the top 10 slots in iTunes and they'll never leave. So, <laughs> so it's an uphill terrible. battle trying to take them down. Yeah. Um, I will never like- dethrone the fine men of dude soup, whatever that is. I know they're always number one. <laughs> I've always been afraid to check. Yeah, I don't want to Google dude soup. Call me crazy. Um, but the, the uh, it, it is one of those things where uh, those are really established, right? So you're always going to have like giant bomb. It's always going to be this thing, you know, like that's always going to be there. Or like uh, uh, boy, the, the names of, uh, of some of some other ones are kind of escaping me at this point, like Idle Thumbs. These these kind of uh, conversational roundtable shows are really established and are going to have this built in audience. And you don't want to try to take them on on that, you know, the four guys, you know, kind of formula like they're there. They're in the top 10, yeah. entrenched. Um, yeah. You need to come from the sides. <laughs> and I mean, people people do think we are popular, and I guess we kind of are for what we do, but I mean, ultimately, we, re- we reach like number 30 in the top 100 rankings sometimes. Uh, occasionally, we'll get up into the, the top 15, but that's pretty rare. So yeah, I mean, uh, I would not be discouraged if you're not immediately a hit or if you can't like climb the list. But I, I think consistently, consistency is important. Finding an angle is is important. Like you said, Gary, you're totally right about that. Uh, Cole, do you have anything to add? Gary stole my answer about uh, consistency and patience. That is uh, <laughs> that is the answer we kind of always give when people ask about that stuff. Um, I would mm. say uh, care about quality. Um, you know, don't just record into the microphone on your laptop or whatever, but don't, uh, don't let uh, a lack of equipment uh, get in the way of actually doing something because you can develop that alongside, um, you know, your gear, your gear acquisitions and things like that. Um, so don't, don't feel like just because you don't have an expensive microphone, you can't get started, um, is the thing that stuff matters. Um, you know, it's something that I personally take a lot of pride in our setup and our sound quality and all of that. But like too many people have never started writing because they never felt like they had the right notebook, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And real real quick to add, sorry to, you know, because this just made (laughs) me think about something, uh, add to that is, uh, you know, care about what you're doing too. I think that if, uh, you're not, if you haven't picked a, a subject, that's something you enjoy, um, one of the worst things that can ever happen on a podcast is when you listen and it's like, oh man, all of these people have checked out. <laughs> like you can hear them looking at their phone, you know, like they, you can know that they are not interested in the thing. It's four people in a room who are doing, doing a job. 
you know, they more or less are doing a shift at a factory. So when, you know, in picking out that concept or whatever, pick something that you're going to be excited to do every couple weeks. Um, you know, and if, if you're not excited to do it, uh, you know, maybe, you know, if, if it starts feeling like too much like work, it's gonna, it's gonna come through in the audio, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I do feel like a good mic is, um, kind of essential, but you only need to spend like $50 right. at, 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 at the minimum to find an okay mic. And, uh, after that you're good. And I feel like, uh, the way my brain works, if I spend money on something, I'm more committed to like following through. Yeah, so yeah. I have every ROM ever made on my PC, but <laughs> I won't actually play them until I, you know, pay money for it on the Wii U. Yeah. And then I'll be like, well, I paid for this. Now I, now I have motivation to actually get my money's worth. I, my brain is wired for capitalism. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, so $50 is a different amount to a lot of people. People are notoriously, oh, yeah, for sure. are notoriously uh, kind of reluctant to spend money on podcasting stuff. Um, but like, think about it this way, a $30 like Pant- Plantronics like headset is going to be much better than your iPhone headset. Um, the $50 yeah. like Samson Meteor is going to be good. The, uh, the $80 Samson COU13, I think this is what that is, is going to be even better. Like there are those margin things. You just have to find good enough and then like, you know, work until you can afford the next one, you know, yeah. Yeah. by use too. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that too yeah and I, like I said there's a very there's a very very low threshold for quality there's just so much content out there and mm-hmm. I think the things that clear that threshold are the ones that catch on because if you if you turn on a podcast and it's two guys having a Skype th- call through like blown out headset mics oh, yeah. uh, with no editing you're just like well, you don't care about this why should I invest any time in this yeah. mm-hmm. it's like everything I say is funny right I'm like Kevin Smith um, <laughs> wow Kevin Smith burned out of nowhere I'm sorry I just I just turned off a lot of fans I, I own clerks on DVD people it's fine <laughs> Uh, so my final question uh, for you guys is, I'm just curious, uh, maybe you don't want to give away any plans, but are there any games you want to do uh, that you have in mind? And are, are there any that seem insurmountable? Um, I, I really wanted to do a Resident Evil 4 episode, but you, you covered it so thoroughly that I might have to wait a few years. Uh, and I love that game, and I'm going to revisit it because of your podcast, because it just, I mean, and it made me remember just how perfect it is. And I, I knew, but it's just like, oh, God, I need to play this again. It's been five years. Um, what, what games are out there that you really want to try, and what games are out there that you might not be able to just because they're too uh, inaccessible, too big? Uh, I'm curious. Uh, maybe, Cole, you can, you can start with this one. Yeah. Um, so there are big games that um, I would like to cover, but I know I wouldn't want to inflict, inflict them on Gary. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we generally uh, have to agree on the things that we're going to cover. And so something like uh, Final Fantasy twelve. Um, if we hit the goal for the Final Fantasy Final Fantasy show, we're going to have to do that anyway. But I'm a huge fan of 12, but I know Gary isn't so hot on it. And I don't know that I would want to sign him up for uh, 60 hours of that. Um, I'm just curious, Cole. <laughs> have you actually finished Final Fantasy 12? Yes. Okay. It's strange because many people I meet love that game, but 10% of them have actually finished it. And it's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, please continue, though. Yeah, no, I recognize it has its flaws, but uh, that is kind of one of those ones that is in my like own personal, um, like I fell off of JRPGs after like 2000, and then I came back to that particular one in a big bad way. Um, but there are so many other games that I would rather do than kind of like, you know, just kind of like slog through that, 
you know, cause I know what I'm playing at Gary is going to be like, Oh my gosh, the license board. No, yeah. um, <laughs> not to that. That sounds incredibly passive aggressive, but that is kind of a part of it, right? Like I love, uh, it's like I made you sound like Squidward. Um, <laughs> no, no, but just, uh, I think that, 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 that's the bigger one, right? Is, uh, a game that, uh, either of us personally really, really like, but there's probably something better or more appropriate to do in its place. I mean, that's no different than what I do. When I choose topics, I try to do things that will, uh, you know, get get Jeremy engaged with the topic. Uh, There's lots of stuff that are personal to me that I either do with Laser Time Guys or by myself because I know Jeremy might not be as interested in looking into it or playing the game. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like um, having that, uh, that, you know, invested interest in both of you is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like length, length is a really big one. Um, we, we've kicked around the idea of doing a Persona game for a long time, but they're very long, like specifically three or four. And like, I, we both really like those games, but they're huge. And it would just be because we keep a regular schedule and we do our best to, you know, we beat, I mean, there's maybe five games that we haven't beaten that we've done for the show. Um, so we try to, you know, actually play everything at the time. And, and that's, uh, that's really tricky. Um, the other thing that comes up with things that we want to do that are a little bit harder are things where the scope, uh, is beyond us. Like there's something, uh, an aspect of the game that we don't have time to engage in. Um, so we will sometimes indulge in that. Like we did a team fortress two episode um, and neither of us are like, that's a huge competitive game. It's really deep um, happens with fighting games. It would happen with something like rogue. Um, it would happen with something like uh, like dwarf fortress, things like that, that would be kind of interesting. Um, but we don't have the expertise because the people who know those games really well, haven't played them once. They played them for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just, they're just so deep. And uh, we'll do those from time to time. We try to, you know, get some expertise in uh, for those things. But it is uh, we're reluctant to do those, even if we might want to kind of take a plunge on them. Yeah. Uh, See, also like an MMO, like uh, World of Warcraft or something like that. Um, Oh, yeah. uh, Just going back through all the patch changes and all the the the, just the lost content would be impossible. It's been like seven different games uh, since it since it opened up. And like, regardless of how many like unofficial servers there are, they're like launch era kind of things. You're never going to cover it in enough in enough death because those aren't games. Those are hobbies within themselves. You know, just you kind of have to come at it. You can't just put 25 hours into it and say, I did it. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't mesh with our approach. So before I let you go, I did want to talk for a minute or two about the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Um, in case you don't know, we were there and Watch Out for Fireballs was there both doing panels. Um, I've been there like four years in a row now and I feel that it is sort of like, um, game retro gaming Christmas for me every year. It's like one of the best weekends of the year. I get to talk to everybody. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have as much of a good time as me because you're actually working, uh, you know, for the entire weekend. Um, I don't know, like... I'm not sure where I want to spin this, but um, wouldn't you encourage everybody, if possible, to come to the Portland Retro Gaming Expo? I mean, this weekend, this last weekend especially, I have never talked to more fans and more friendly people uh, that are, you know, engaged with what I do, I think, in my entire life. And it was just a super rewarding weekend for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it is huge for us for, like, just kind of, you know, getting some ego bucks, um, <laughs> get, you know, getting paid in, in kind of people saying nice things about us for the weekend. So that's really fantastic. Um, but even for just people, like it is such a positive environment. They run it so well. Yeah. Um, I think as far as conventions go that we've uh, been involved with or ones that I've gone to, they're really kind of top of the pops as far as organization, 
um, keeping, you know, keeping things relatively clean, keeping people, you know, you don't walk around with a bunch of people like offensive shirts and stuff like that. Like it is a, it is a tight ship. Um, it's very friendly. You see things that you wouldn't uh, be able to see. Like they just, that arcade section always has like two or three things I've never seen before that are super weird. Um, and then just the vendors have weird stuff I've never seen before either. So it's always, even before they actually open up an official museum, which I really, um, I like that this year and I'm looking forward to that growing. It functions as kind of a museum, uh, of just being able to see kind of retro oddities. Um, it, it is a, it is a great time. It's super fun. Yeah. I have to say, I do enjoy the fact that they're smart enough to, uh, for every year I've been there, to have panels and actual rooms instead of like, uh, I mean, you guys have just experienced this. Sometimes there's some weird planning involved with panels. I'm not going to hold it against um, the last uh, show we went to because I'm sure they were learning too, as we all are. But uh, the last panel I did before this one was like in the middle of a restaurant that was actively serving food. <laughs> and uh, and luckily, uh, luckily, the recording came out okay, but I found it to just be very distracting. I didn't feel comfortable, but prg always has like very nice rooms and the acoustics are great and i recorded the panel with the personal recorder and it sounds perfectly listenable so Mm -hmm. in terms of working on that level i really love portland's uh expo yeah yeah and i was just gonna say we we really lucked out that i happened to live here you know because we we that's great yeah we did this a really really early on we kickstarted our first uh appearance there just because we had to pay for airfare we didn't the podcast wasn't bringing any money um and if it had been in a town where we would have had to have doubled our airfare and both got flights um we might not have been able to afford it right you know so so it's very lucky that like the best retro gaming convention just happens (laughs) to be in the town i live in yeah and speaking as somebody not not from portland you know flying in there from cincinnati it's a it, it is a really friendly city to like get into and you know travel around uh visit and kind of do all the touristy things and especially over there with a bunch of like you know like-minded people there are plenty of cool places to do like it is one of the friendliest cities i've been to in terms of just logistics you know even at that barest level i, I really drink more beer and play more pinball that weekend than any other weekend <laughs> yeah. out of the year and actually i played i played no video games because i was too busy talking to people uh at both of our little gatherings and that was mm. fine it was like the most hands-on you know i guess that's kind of a creepy way to put it i was actively touching everybody no it was it was the most like kind of intimate personal um you know encounters with fans i've had and just like talking with people for five hours every night was uh strangely more fun than playing a video game by myself (laughs) what (laughs) no who'd have thunk the social business could yeah I just added myself as a fake gamer boy. But uh, before we go, I want to say I'm a big fan of Watch Out for Fireballs and the Duck Feed Network. Um, you, you can hear me on some of their shows. Uh, look through the archives. Um, they did an episode about Punch-Out. Um, we kind of did one at the same time. It, was, it worked out in an unfortunate way. But they're both different enough that I think they're both uh, worth listening to on their own for sure. Um, and maybe you guys can tell us where can we find your podcast and uh, what other stuff you do maybe? Uh, you can find us. We're at duckfeed.tv. That is the name of the network and also the URL where you can go. Um, and that is uh, a site that has a link to all of our individual show pages. All of those are on uh, iTunes and such as well. Yeah, and and I want to just real quick before doing the plug stuff, say that Cole and I are both big fans of, of yes. yours as well. Um, Retronauts is where there's, I think there's maybe two episodes I haven't listened to, but I've listened to almost every every episode of that show, and I'm so glad that we are in a situation where we don't compete, like we don't do the same kind of thing, because that would just feel gross, since I'm such a big fan and, and friends with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that uh, it's very nice to hear you say that, and I'm glad that uh, the feeling is mutual and it's not. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> me loving up against the wall. 
Um, so for people who are listening to this on the Patreon feed, um, you know, everything Cole said is true. That's where you can find information about us. Um, we're doing a charity live stream on the 11th that I want to plug that we do every year. Yes. Um, on uh, November 11th for 48 hours, we are playing video games, doing other kinds of games and stuff to benefit uh, benefit Transactive Gender Center. So uh, if you're able to to check that out, if you're hearing this on the Patreon feed, we'd love to have you watch and hang out and, and donate. It's a great cause. Um, so if you're able to, that would be fantastic. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me, guys. I'll let you get back to uh, the several thousand podcasts you put out every week. <laughs> We're turning right around and recording a bunch more. So that's <laughs> awesome. Cool. I can't wait to listen to all of them. Aw. Aw. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy.